You may have heard of a spite fence, one designed to annoy a neighbor by ruining their view. But have you ever heard of a spite national cemetery? Welcome to American Esoterica. If history class gives you the first day of kindergarten, this is the first ever Monday morning meltdown that follows it. The essential stuff in between the personalities, events, and other ephemera that shape our history and culture. I'm Brian Powers. It was a Greek revival house built on a hill overlooking Washington, D.C., and it had the distinction of once serving as a loving tribute to the man for whom that city was named. It wasn't just a general public notion of patriotism, either. The man who built the house, George Washington Park Custis, was the grandson of Martha Washington and was raised by her and George's step-grandfather, George Washington. He wanted the house to be a shrine to his namesake and even had items from Mount Vernon brought in after Washington's death. When Custis died, the estate was inherited by his daughter and son-in-law, George Washington's step-great-grandson, a career soldier with an education at West Point and over 30 years of experience in the United States Army. That man faced a choice in 1861 as war loomed. Stay with the Union, to which he initially seemed sympathetic, or join the cause of his home state of Virginia when it seceded. He chose poorly, taking a position in the ranks of the new Confederate Army. As he left his home to take up the fight for the South, somebody noticed its proximity to the Union capital and everybody got nervous. It was on a high hill within three miles of the White House, within range of the rifled cannons of the day. The Virginia legislature had put secession to a vote, and the morning after the results came in, Union soldiers were already making their way across the Potomac to secure this strategically vital hill. They faced little resistance, and their tactical decision paid off for the entirety of the war. The house and lands served as the headquarters for the defense of Washington, D.C. Was, in fact, the only real line of defense between the capital of the Union and the Confederacy. The initial capture turned into a wholesale occupation, and a series of forts were built on the ground to further solidify defenses. The wooded areas surrounding the house were cleared to make space for defenses and troop encampments. An area was established for a community of the formerly enslaved who flocked to Washington following the Emancipation Proclamation, with housing built by the Union Army. This last action was particularly satisfying to the abolitionists of the time. A portion of a former plantation, owned by a high-ranking Confederate officer, now being used to provide a new life for the very folks he was fighting to keep in bondage. If that were galling to the Confederates, what came next was the ultimate insult. There were two cemeteries in Washington for war dead, but the toll of the Civil War was too great and both were soon full. Congress authorized the purchase and creation of a new national cemetery, and it just so happened that the currently occupied estate was going to be auctioned to pay a tax lien assessed against it. Now, the tax at issue was basically a tax on the property of Confederates with the purpose of waging war on them via a different means, seizing property to sell off to raise money for the war effort. The day of the sale, there was only one bidder, the United States government. 
and it got itself a pretty sweet deal, paying less than the assessed value of the property. It was too important of a stronghold to let go. So at the auction, the federal government made it official. It wasn't earmarked to be a cemetery just yet, though. The first Union soldier was officially buried there on May 13, 1864, but it was a month later when Quartermaster General Montgomery Meigs, who had been seeking out the spot for the new cemetery, sought official approval from the Secretary of War to create the National Cemetery at Arlington, the name of the estate created by George Washington Custis. It was a crafty plan, and Meigs twisted the knife even further against the former owners by ensuring that the mansion itself, Arlington House, was entirely circled with the graves of prominent Union officers to make it all but impossible to remove later. Perhaps he felt a little betrayed by his former comrades-in-arms. Immediately prior to the war, he had just completed the largest project of his career, the construction of the Capitol Dome, which had been appointed to him by the then Secretary of War, a man by the name of Jefferson Davis. But there was another larger reason why Meigs wanted it to hurt. He wanted a swift end to the war and a Union victory. Turning Arlington into a memorial for Union dead would certainly resonate throughout the South, particularly considering the former occupant, a man with whom Meigs worked in one of his earliest assignments, General Robert E. Lee. This has been American Esoterica. All sounds were made by me, Brian Powers. Did I get it wrong? Did I get it right? Just want to fill me in on the latest gossip about your cat? Drop me a note. The address is yell at AmericanEsoterica.com. Thank you for listening, and God bless America.